presents the podcast's Guide to the Conspiracy patron bonus episode. Okay, Josh, give me your top five aerial phenomena. Uh, or clouds, obviously. Everybody likes a cloud. Um, uh, birds are okay. I don't, I don't mind the occasion. But some of them sound nice, actually. I gotta 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 give them that. Um, other thing, good things in the sky, rocks. Uh, if you see right, if, right. if rocks I, are in the sky, you know you're in for a good time. I mean, right, could, could you explain the rocks in the sky and also the in for a good time part? Well, you know, if, if, if rocks are flying around, you've either got one of those interesting volcanoes or maybe a bit of a bit of exhilarating mob violence, you know. If, if it's, 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 it's like my mother used to say, rocks in the air, have no care. You, your, your mother was killed by a boulder landing on her head. On a related point, bullets. When bullets are flying through the air, I mean, it's, you know, what, what, what more do you want? Fired presumably into the air to, to celebrate sort of ringing in the new year or some sort of major victory. I don't know of any other reason why people fire bullets um so i'm assuming i'm assuming airborne bullets are also a sign of a good time uh one more i guess um alien spacecraft alien spacecraft mm. well, tom yeah, delong says they exist and who am i to argue i mean so the first four i accept actually do exist but number five i i'm not convinced by i'm not convinced by Ah oh, well, go back, go go back and listen to your mini Blink One Eight Two albums, and I'm sure you'll become a true believer. And I saw your face, ba 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 ba, and now a believer. And that was smashed Without mouth. a trace, covering it's out of my mind. Someone else, I can't even remember. Anyway, Trump, Trump, Trumpety, 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 Trump. So you've actually read, you've read all forty-five pages. Yeah, so this afternoon... First question, I, mm. are you okay? Second question, what the hell is wrong with you? Well, it's actually quite well written, I have to say. Yeah. It's, I mean, so the short version of it, most of what's in the 45-page indictment is stuff we already knew. Apart from a, a few tidbits, you go, oh, oh that, that's a bit of a smoking gun there. Some kind of gross stuff from Giuliani, I think. Well, we have to remember, the only person who's actually named in the indictment is Donald J. Trump. Everyone else is co-conspirator one, co-conspirator two, co-conspirator three, co-conspirator four, co-conspirator five, co-conspirator six, acting attorney, general attorney, general vice president. So the only person who ever gets named is Donald J. Trump. So there are some pretty good inferences that certain co-conspirators are characters we've met along the way. So uh, John Eastman seems to be co-conspirator too. Giuliani is probably either co-conspirator four, I think, or co-conspirator three. Uh, the person who was the creator, uh, Sidney Powell, is probably co-conspirator five or something of that particular kind. There's quite a lot of people that you can kind of infer who they are. But yeah, the only person who gets mentioned is Donald J. Trump. And of course, because it's a legal document, he gets mentioned 
at the beginning of the first charge, of which there are four in the indictment. And the first charge is 42 pages long. And so what you get is a story about how the defendant did blah, and co-conspirator blah, 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 blah. And then at the very end, it then reiterates that the defendant is Donald J. Trump. And it's a little bit, it was almost a surprise. Oh, he's the defendant? Because you just get so engrossed in reading the story, you kind of forget that it's about a real person who actually did real things. Yes, it's I, I, I've I've seen people saying uh, here's the stuff that is obviously Rudy Giuliani saying weird things. Um, I do have to say the best thing I've read so far actually isn't from that. It was people saying yes, Giuliani's stuff is good, but nothing can top Donald Sterling's deposition. He he was the he owned the. Los Angeles Clippers, an NBA team, and I don't know what he was actually deposed about, but his deposition includes in the transcript, answer, well, I fool around sometimes, I do. When a girl seduces me and tells me all of these hot stories and dirty things and tells me how much she wants to suck on me and take my shoes off and licks my feet and touches me, when I'm in a limousine, she takes all of her clothes. The limo driver said, what is going on? And she started sucking me on the way to Mr. Coon's house. And I thank her. I thank her for making me feel good. Question. Sir, the question was, is this your handwriting? <laughs> Uh, I think I've read that before, and it's still hilarious. <laughs> uh, anyway, not actually immediately related to Trump's um, indictment, but it probably should be. So, so you say the first charge goes for the first 42 pages. How many other charges are there then? In there the are three, three more, but basically the other three charges are going, look, we can get him for the story we just told on pages 1 through 42. So the other three charges are basically half-page charges going, look, the details to this are found in paragraphs one through blah. So the first charge, or the first indictment, is the one that basically says, look, he claims he lost the election. Those claims were false, and the defendant knew that they were false. So they basically get to the heart of the issue. Was Donald Trump misled by his advisors? into thinking he had won an election, when actually it turns out he had lost? Or did Trump realise he was he had lost the election and was spreading disinformation in order to persuade people to certify him as the winner nonetheless? And essentially, the first 42 pages is a story of Trump knew he had lost the election because either... He was consistently being told by his campaign manager or the acting attorney general or the vice president or by the people he was trying to bully that, Mr. President, what you're saying is false. We've shown you that it's false. Therefore, you must know it's false. Now, you can see a potential res uh, response to that, which is, well, you know, you can, you can tell a narcissist they're wrong. But that doesn't mean they necessarily believe you. But there's a point in the indictment which is really quite fascinating. So there's a point where in the early, sorry, the late part of December, 
there's discussion about engaging in a military action overseas. And Trump is dissuaded from doing anything about it because it would be an ongoing concern. They would essentially drag in whoever is president after the January 20th stuff. And essentially... Trump goes, oh yeah, it's probably best left to the next guy, which seems to be an admission that Trump knows he's not going to be in the White House, and thus is quite happy to not engage in a military action because he's not going. He, it's it's best it's best left to the next person to deal with it rather than himself, and that seems to be fairly good evidence that. He knew he had lost the election, even though at that time he was spreading the big steel, big lie theory to all and sundry on social media. Mm. Now, I've heard people saying that uh, people from Trump's legal team saying that they plan to fight this on First Amendment grounds. And yet, I've, as the reply to that, I've, I've already seen people saying, "Yeah, the First Amendment kind of doesn't have anything to do with this. They've they've structured it in such a way that it, it isn't talking about First Amendment free speech, right?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the thing I'm is, the indictment yeah. kind of covers that. So on page two, they basically say, "Look, Trump had the right to contest the election. Trump even had the right under free speech to lie." about whether he was the winner or the loser on the day. But even though he, he had the right to contest the election, all of the legal efforts they engaged in were unsuccessful, and then they engaged in criminal behavior to try and keep him in power nonetheless. So the indictment kind of covers the free speech issue. Yes, he had the right to say that he was the winner, even if he was wrong or lying. What he didn't have was the right to pervert justice and engage in a criminal conspiracy to remain in the White House. Mm. Yes. And of course, they're fighting that on the notion that they can show that he knew he had lost the election. Yes, and people have, have sort of said, why has why this taken so damn long? The election was, what, two, two and a half years ago now. Um, but but the reply to that again has been, yes, because they've been taking the time to, to make a case that basically th- thinks about this sort of stuff. They've got, the, they've got all the evidence they believe they need to show that, you know, to show what he knew and when and, and to show that it isn't, it isn't necessarily a matter of free speech of him just being able to say whatever he wants, uh, there, there is a lot more to it than that. So uh, now, I've actually I found the list of co-conspirators in the CEN, the CEN, CEN is not either CNN. Have a quite useful annotated copy of the indictment, which actually goes look. Even though the co-conspirators are not named in the document, it's pretty easy to work out who they are given the context of what's said about the co-conspirators in pages 1 to 42. So co-conspirator 1 is former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani. Number 2 is John Eastman. He's the person who came up with the, but surely Pence can just certify the election for someone else. He's got that power, right? And the question mark is very important there. 
because he didn't, but Eastman was going, well, it's untested legal ground, so we should try it out nonetheless. Number three is Sydney Powell, so that's the person behind the kind of Hydra. Was it, was it the Hydra? What was the name of the the big legal thing that Sydney Powell Oh, and God, I remember. It was, it was, it was if not it was something like that. It was some mythological creature, yeah. yeah. And number four is former Justice Department Jeffrey Clark. He was the person that Trump at one pointed wanted to install as acting attorney general. When he tried to do that, the existing acting attorney general went, if you replace me, not only will I resign, but there'll be mass resignations, not just in the Department of Justice, but also the Department of Defense. At which point Trump went, that sounds bad, and decided to not put Jeffrey Clark in place. Trump 5 is Trump lawyer Kenneth Cheesebro. I'm fairly sure it's actually not pronounced Cheesebro, because it's only got one E. But I choose to pronounce his name as Kenneth Cheesebro. That's what he meant. Um, he was the one who sent an email to Giuliani suggesting the fake elect- electors plot, i.e., could we just create a different slate of electors and submit that to the Senate instead. And co-conspirator number six, we're not sure who that is at this stage. All we know is that they're a political consultant who was tied to the fake elector slate in Pennsylvania. Yes, so I mean, as you say, none of these co-conspirators are named specifically, but yeah. by looking but some at some of them are, that are, are very obvious. Them, I mean, yeah, it's it almost clear. impossible that co-conspirator two can't be John Eastman, given the description of what went on and the fact we know from the historical record what John Eastman did. Hmm. So, and co-conspirator four has to be Jeffrey Clark because we know that Trump was suggesting Jeffrey Clark should become acting attorney general at the time that co-conspirator four is being suggested to be acting attorney general. Mm. So we get to the end of it, and then we get a yes, we get counts. Uh, I, I'm looking at it now too, and I see yes, counts two, three, and four are both two sentences each. Um, or two, two points each, basically saying uh, first one is refer to the previous 42 pages and then Donald J. Trump did this other thing. Now, th- th- that, that leads me to another interesting thing that I see. I, I saw um, uh, a, dis- a clip from a discussion today where they were talking about um, Steve Bannon's, what was his... What was Steve Bannon's strategy called? It was like drowning them in shit or something. Or yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it, was, it was something like that. It was basically just put so much, so much crap out there that um, you can say or do any, you know, that the, the, the truth becomes um, irrelevant. And they're putting out, but there's even more to it than that. It's not just, it's not just um, spreading so much lies. It's uh, so many so many court cases essentially they're like this this is just one there's like five or six other things trump is being taken court t- t- taken to court for within the next year the one they mentioned was that one of his businesses has been has been charged with running a pyramid scheme um and that, that's just one and that so so i won i like i wonder yeah you, know, you, you can you can argue that there, there's a bit of a strategy of yeah, just do so much weird stuff, which has sort of been emblematic of his, his whole pre- presidency and also everything else, that just do so much bad stuff 
that it all becomes over, overwhelming and no one thing particularly stands out and gets that much attention. But I, I, I don't see that applying in this case. I don't know. This, this one seems like a big one. Certainly it's the one that everybody's talking about. Yeah, and there are other, there are other little nuggets in here. So there's a bit where people point out that if Trump's plot is successful and they manage to introduce alternative slates of electors into the Senate, and Pence then either uses those slates to select Trump as president, or goes, well, you know, it's not quite clear who the winner is, so we now have to recount the vote or redo the election. People go, but, I mean, that could that could lead to riots on the street. And one of Trump's co-conspirators said, well, that's fine. That's why we have the Insurrection Act. So they go, that's fine, you know. If there's a little bit of violence on the street, we'll, just, we'll bring the military in to calm things down. Mm. So, yeah, that's 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 where Trump is at the moment, looking down. Actually, we, we never actually said right at the start. So the specific counts are, count one is conspiracy to defraud the United States, count two is conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, count three is obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, count four is conspiracy against rights. Yeah, and that's is, the one that is that basically Trump has offended every single American by trying to overturn a election where, and this is the term that keeps coming up, all the time, where there was no outcome determinative fraud found. Which is to say, the indictment admits that there are a few cases of fraudulent votes that were found during the last American election. And these range from accidental cases of fraud, so people voting twice, uh, situations where someone voted and then they died, so their vote had to be discarded actual cases of voter impersonation which are incredibly rare but there was no example of the kind of widespread fraud that would be outcome determinative i.e fraud such that would actually change who the winner of the election was on the day Mm. Indeed, actually, as, as I've seen people pointing out, the, the, um, this indictment starts in, in the introductions, uh, introduction section, section one, point, point number one, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, was the 45th president of the United States and a candidate for re-election in 2020. The defendant lost the 2020 presidential election. Yeah. And, so, and they make that statement because they're fairly sure that they can prove throughout that he knew he lost the election within days of the election. So, I mean, when does this... What's the timeline now? Well, they... So Jack Smith, who is the prosecutor, who's also the prosecutor in the other grand jury indictment, wants a speedy trial on this. I think... They're aiming for the trial to start taking place at the end of this year. And it's a Washington, D.C. trial. So unlike the, the other indictment, which is in front of Judge Eileen Cannon, who is a Trump appointee. I believe the judge in this case is not a Trump appointee. And thus there is a suspicion that maybe she won't delay the trial in the same way that Trump's appointed judge seems to be doing in the other case. 
Also, I wouldn't be... I mean, given there's... I don't think there's much in the way of evidence to disclose to the defence here, unlike in the classified documents trial, it's it might be easier to bring it to court. But yes, at this stage, they want a speedy trial. Whether they get one is another matter entirely. And whether it changes anything is another matter entirely. Because as people have pointed out, there's nothing that stops a sitting president presiding while sitting in jail. Mm. It's not actually against the Constitution to be convicted of a crime and still be president of the United States of America, as mm. far as we're aware. Yeah, last last time we mentioned this, I said, yes, they're using Bud Light rules, when, of course, what I should have said is they're using Air Bud rules, and that there's there's nothing in the rule book against it. I, I found in the rule book against it. Reference. Yep, yeah. no reference. In a, in a, there's no rule against a dog well, that said, I mean, after, after the success of the... Barbie film, I wouldn't be surprised if Budweiser is going, oh, mm. we could make films about our, market our property. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, there we have it. So, I mean, as always seems to be the case with Trump, we'll just have to wait and see what happens next, and, and I won't be holding my breath. But um, this one, I don't know. Maybe it's just being overhyped, but it feels like it's a more, more of a more of a slam dunk than the other charges against him, but I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I actually would recommend to listeners of the podcast actually give the indictment a read. It is, as I say, it's unusually well written. I actually have, haven't really read a legal indictment in the past. So maybe they're all as well written as this. But it moves along at a fair chop. It tells what seems like an unlikely story until such time you realise that it's drawn from real life. And as I say, it then ends with a twist of, and it was Donald Trump the entire time. Mm. Well, there you go. Your latest latest reading recommendation. Yeah, and it's only 45 pages. It can be read in less than an hour. Mm. Right, well, that brings this bonus episode to a close. Now, now we... We've, we've been doing this episode on the assumption that you listened to the main episode and then went straight to this one. If on the off chance you go for the bonus episode first because you're just the way that, that you queue up your podcast mm. is most recent episode first unless you essentially listen backwards. Mm. Then we should probably point out that this particular bonus episode has, has been released uh, free to everyone largely because Patreon has gone weird and, Very um, weird indeed. Isn't 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 uh, payments aren't going through? Things are being rejected. They're being flagged as fraud, which means banks are, are rejecting things wholesale. Patron Patreon stopped allowing creators to take their funds out. Everything's gone very wonky. Uh, so we figured that a this putting it out free to all might be the only way to actually let our patrons know. That wacky things are going on, and also because it's possible that um, uh, it's it's people haven't been able to pay us, so we should probably give them stuff for free. Yeah, Does that makes sense. And also, like it makes sense. in happier news, so people are aware that I returned back to Auckland in December of last year to look after my mother with lymphoma. Mum had a PET scan on Monday of this week. She was contacted by the haematologist this morning, 
to say that according to the results of the scan, there is no trace of the cancer in her. So at this stage, she is in remission, which is why I can feel very confident about returning back to my job in Zhuhai, China on the 20th of this month. So at this stage, mum is in remission. Long may that last. Mm. And you're off to China again, which will mean more, more, more remote episodes, kind of like this one, but with a time zone difference involved as well. And fluctuating VPN usage. Yes, so we'll have to see. But that's that, that's for the future. The future isn't now. Now is now. And now, I think Actually, it's time now, now, to bring this episode to a close. Now it's just been. Now it's mm. the past. Yeah, but now, but now, now is now. Ah, but if you see, see what I mean. People listening to this. It's the past, Josh. We're actually talking in the past now. Yes, but we're, we're talking then, but they're listening to it now, so that then becomes now. Yeah, but now, now is then. Okay, well, whatever it is, this episode is going to end now. Wait, now. To the stars! Now. Now. <laughs>